if we want to get out of the, this end of history, we really need to think radically. So it's very difficult to make citizenship education this citizenship education if we don't stop calling it citizenship education. <laughs> because uh, if we are being educated in the certain citizenship, we are accepting that we are uh, there is a kind of doctrination in order to be a citizen. And to be a citizen is to be a person. Hello everyone and welcome to Under 30, a podcast brought to you by the Youth Partnership between the European Commission and the Council of Europe. I'm Ismail Civico, and together with Lana Bazic, we'll be hosting this episode. We hope you enjoy. What is citizenship education? What type of things does it need to teach? Is it values? Is it competences? Is it skills? Usually, citizenship education is connected to the topics of democracy, human rights, participation. Today, we are speaking with Sergio Xavier, a researcher and member of the Pool of European Youth Researchers, and Nika Baxoliani, member of the Advisory Council on Youth, and also a human rights trainer and activist. Welcome. Uh, Sergio, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, um, my youth work background uh, starts some 15 years ago. Um, with uh, uh, the local youth organization Dynamo in Sintra. Um, well, Dynamo was a small youth uh, organization um, with uh, the ambition to wake up the dorm. Um, the dorm is a nickname given to the suburbs uh, where not much really happens uh, except sleeping and prepare the next uh, working day somewhere away. Thanks to Dynamo. I, I I had my first contact with non-formal education uh, and I liked it so much that I started to work voluntarily um, as a trainer and as a facilitator. Some few uh, years later, I, I became more professional when I joined different pools uh, of trainers at local and international level. And, um, and yes, I've been involved in dozens of educational processes since then, um, mostly under the topics of human rights education, education for democratic citizenship, youth participation. Um, and then I, I've worked also as a policy advisor uh, to the uh, social rights deputy mayor in Lisbon. And I was privileged to develop and coordinate policies on youth participation and human rights education. Um, I'm currently working on my Sociology of Education PhD thesis. I'm studying democratic education and whatever that means in the 21st century. And uh, yeah, meanwhile, I, I try to write about related topics, such as in the case of the review we plan to discuss today as well. And uh, well, that review was, all, uh, was only possible uh, thanks to the pool of European Youth Researchers. And that's it. Thank you, Sergio. And uh, I asked the same question to Nika. Uh, I gave a brief introduction, but it's best if people introduce themselves. So. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Lana. Um, well, I mostly identify the sphere of citizenship education, in my case, as human rights education. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, 
I, I call it a many-faced God because it has many names and uh, many um, faces. Um, and my experience with human rights education started in 2013. And uh, that's something that I would never imagine in 2012 uh, when I was a second year old, uh, medical student. I was studying medicine. And in 2013, um, there was a very brutal, violent attack on LGBTQI activists in Tbilisi. And that was some kind of like turning moment for me. Um, and I, I said to myself that I, I want to do something uh, as a citizen, as a... Uh, well, I had to study a lot in me medicine, but still I wanted to use whatever free time I had with, uh, to fight uh, and prevent this kind of uh, violent outburst. Um, so that's why I tried to search for uh, good solutions, how I could contribute. And uh, as a, a big supporter of education, I um, found myself in human rights education. And I started with a local youth organization called Droni, uh, which was organizing human libraries or living libraries. I'm pretty sure you know this concept. It's very nice. Um, and uh, like it uh, starts the dialogue between uh, two groups of uh, people um so i started with that and then i got introduced to human rights education and i you know started um trying it out as well as as a junior trainer and then in the end i ended up in the human rights education youth network which is a network of as well it has a very explanatory name <laughs> it's a network of human rights education advocates and practitioners and i recently have um uh, established a new organization in Tbilisi, in Georgia, where I come from. Uh, it's called Praxis for Change, which aims to advocate for um, human rights education or critical uh, education, critical citizenship education, and also support the community of uh, practitioners. And currently, we are um, a very small organization. We are only eight, but uh, we hope that we can make some kind of uh, waves in the um, Georgian education system or in, or also youth work community so yeah that's me <laughs> perfect well thank you very much both of you for that short introduction and i'm quite happy to hear also that we have both backgrounds let's say even though sergio you do have your youth work background you have been working a lot on on um on well on policy essentially and also on the theoretical side more like you said working on your phd and nika of course uh, a lot of grassroots work uh, how i've been hearing now from that short introduction so let's dive now into the general conversation and why we're here today to speak about and what exactly well why do we need citizenship education which i'm guessing we do and uh, why so why exactly do we need that kind of education to be specifically focused maybe not on young people but on the general population maybe sergio if you would like to uh, to start with this question and then we can give the word on to uh, on to nika yes um well um in the times of dynamo i i, I really used to be much more sure and how to answer this question um, that is not the case. Um, well, I, I, I presently do have some doubts, uh, not necessarily with the Pink Floyd question uh, regarding if we need education or not. I think we do. But the, the way which we are doing it, um, it, it raises some problems. I mean, um, and of course, the word uh, citizenship um, is a jargon that we use and it deserves its own podcast as well. I think we do need the citizenship education at the extent that we need liberal democracy. 
um, or, or Western democracy or deliberative democracy, whatever we want to call it. Um, for many people, uh, it goes just like democracy, and uh, but that might uh, be problematic as, as well, uh, as we might uh, address uh, later on. So we need liberal democracy as a sort of condition to, to, to reach what we might call, for the moment, real democracy. This is the way that I see our need for liberal democracy. And yes, because um, people are not entirely happy with uh, the democracies that we have. Um, there is racism, patriarchy, uh, social inequality, war. So while we are not uh, entirely happy, uh, with our democracies, we need them as a condition to go further, because we also don't want to go back. We don't want to go to a time of dictatorship and totalitarianism. It is something that we don't. So in a way, liberal democracies um, are the path to, to something better and the gatekeeping for something worse. And so what in Europe we call uh, citizenship education is a process of consolidating the, the, the liberal democratic values and ambitions. Um, that's why a project of um, liberal democracy needs citizenship education. Uh, it makes people liberal democratic citizens. Now, uh, there are at least two quite significant problems with this. Firstly, I think we tend to forget that um, liberal democracies are just the condition to reach an end. We tend to forget that they are not the end. Um, and we do have very good reasons for that. Since the fall of the Berlin Wall, there is a, a, a grand narrative of the end of history, deployed by Francis Fukuyama, but incorporated by a whole hegemony. Um, liberal democracies were said to, to be the final step in historical development, the, the ultimate uh, and, and superior uh, version of uh, human uh, government and social organization. I, I don't remember Fukuyama's words exactly, but this is kind of the idea. Well, and I know it sounds crazy, but uh, many, many people really think this is true. <laughs> so the first problem is that our citizenship education is not about educating people on extending and making history. Um, it is rather about educating people to leave the grand narrative of the liberal democracy as the end of history. This is the first problem. The second problem is that young people, perhaps the most creative um, synergy um, in world's human pool, um, is being taught how to be citizen, ending up uh, reproducing the models of citizenship. Uh, envisaged by the liberal democratic project. And I think young people would be happier if they were invited to think critically about the liberal democratic project and to imagine different democracies and to bring into practice different forms of citizenship. I think the world would uh, be better with uh, that educational approach. So, in conclusion, we might need citizenship education, but what we really need is to pass beyond the end of history. We need to be able to make history, as Paulo Freire argued.
I see. There's a lot to, to take in there, exactly. The way I've understood it, more or less, that for you, even though we do have the liberal democracy, you do need that stepping stone of citizenship education for it to be a fully-fledged liberal democracy. Is that more or less what you're saying, that you want liberal uh, citizenship education is needed for liberal democracy to actually work, in, in, in essence? Yes, um, I think we need citizen education uh, uh, in order to, to reach, uh, to fully uh, maintain a condition uh, to go forward. Um, I think we need everything, actually. <laughs> we have such uh, uh, quite uh, 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 big challenges that we need everything that we can take. But still, we shall not forget that citizen, citizenship education is, uh, is also a form of uh, making us less creative <laughs> in the way that we look to democracy because we are being we are being what we are being prescribed to be. So we, we, need, we have to, to, to keep this in our minds. But yes, we need, uh, we need many forms of education, including citizenship. Okay, maybe Nika, you have something to say regarding that? Or if you want to start, first of all, what do you think and why do we need uh, citizenship education or whatever other uh, name you, you, would like to, you would like to call it? Um, that... Thank you very much for this question. I think it's a very interesting question and it would make a very nice Vox Populi um, question. Uh, I really wonder what different people from various political spectra sides would say about what kind of uh, uh, form citizenship education should take. And um, I, I wonder what kind of hopes and aspirations would they have for this um, subject. Uh, citizenship education is a subject to uh, you know, when you ask to Georgian um, educational policy makers, like, where do you teach human rights education? They will refer to you to civic education, which is equal, uh, equal to citizenship education. Uh, and if you dive deep uh, to understand whether there is human rights education or not, there is a bit, but uh, not, not really uh, fully. Uh, if you ask whether there, there are some kind of um, elements of radical citizenship education there, a bit, but not fully. So I think the first um, question is to to ask like why uh, the educational system, what kind of expectations do educational systems have uh, with this subject? Uh, what should what should they reach? Is it uh, manufacturing labor, uh, voters, or patriotic army, or is it uh, um, a citizen which can make a change? Uh, practicing democracy is uh, uh, for me. Uh, I think it's impossible if the citizens do not have agency and ability to change. And uh, for me, so if you ask a, a question to me, uh, Nika, who is, uh, well, he, he takes one side on the political spectrum, for me, this, this should be the task of the citizenship education. Um, but whether it is um, the same in the practice or not, I think it's, uh, well, I think most likely no. Um, but what, like these aspirations and expectations, of course, it's translated into a very different uh, scenarios, as I can imagine. It, it really depends on the educator itself, how they bring this subject um, or this uh, dialogue um, to, to the learners. So it also really much depends on the community of practitioners as, as well. So, as I said in the beginning, this uh, citizenship education or human rights education has many faces. It, uh, it is understood quite differently. Uh, it is understood very differently from the practitioners of youth workers, 
um, in, in Europe, in Human Rights Education Youth Network, we have our own understanding. And we recently discovered that it slightly differs from the understanding of, for example, Council of Europe, which has a, a like very clear mandate on like on understanding what human rights and democracy means, and for example, are less tolerant towards criticizing human rights education itself, which uh, actually has like criticism from also the left-leaning academia, um, which says that it's like not um, accessible enough, not uh, not very much linked to the context which is an essential element uh, for uh, critical education, that it should be like linked to the context of the learners. So, but yeah, for me as well, it's a, it's a little, little bit ambiguous. Uh, what is citizenship education? And it looks like it's also ambiguous for the policymakers. Um, and I had had this feeling when I was uh, writing my master's thesis about human rights education in Georgia, that um, this, this subject has a bit of identity crisis. Uh, it does not really understand like it's okay it's flirting with radical education a bit but then also it has some patriotic and uh, conservative content in the textbooks so yeah i think uh, yeah let's uh, uh where, where do we start um do we start from human rights do we start uh, for our aspiration of what do we want to achieve with liberal democracy or um, Thank you, Nika, for that, and also for bringing up this question of understanding the concept. Uh, every time we work on citizenship education, when we start the research, when we want to do a seminar, there is always a question, but what is citizenship education? And there are actually several resources of the partnership that have looked at different definitions and different understandings of citizenship education. And one thing we must admit is that there is no consensus in what it means. Uh, but uh, going back to Sergio's point on uh, kind of ever-evolving ever human condition and also ever-evolving nature of our political systems and uh, the democracy itself, going back to this understanding of citizenship education as maybe being an instrument or a motivation uh, to teaching young people how to think about uh, progressive democracies and uh, human rights and different values. What is it that the citizenship education then should be teaching? Uh, we discussed a bit about uh, the competences or skills or how to be a citizen. But then there is also a big question of the values uh, that the citizenship education instills. And you touched upon this a little bit, Nika, uh, when talking about the values of the Council of Europe citizenship education. Uh, so what are these, what, what should be taught uh, within the citizenship education that aims to help young people to become uh, active citizens within a democratic system which is evolving hopefully towards better let's suppose that uh, we do uh, have a, like a common understanding of what citizen uh, citizenship education uh, is because if we don't uh, it may mean that we, we might need to go a little bit uh, back uh, and to really understand what we uh, as nika was saying what we really want to achieve with citizenship uh, education especially when uh, uh, such uh, uh, a concept is promoted by many intergovernmental organizations. So if uh, we don't know where we are heading to, 
uh, what we are doing. But let's suppose that we have this, this very uh, um, clear in our mind. I think that when we talk about progressive democracies, I think uh, we have to at least two ways to look at it. Either we uh, look to liberal democracies in a way that yes, we are in the end. We don't. We cannot escape the end of history, and we need to keep doing what we have been doing since 300 years. For example, we if we look to the development of the SDGs from the United Nations. This is clearly more of what the liberal democracy, liberal democratic model would uh, want to, to, to achieve and the way that uh, uh, the liberal democratic model want to achieve. We don't see, I don't know, any uh, anti-capitalist uh, SDG. Uh, we don't see the, the end of patriarchy there. We don't see, um, yes, there is social inclusion. Yes, there is um ways to tackle poverty yes but we are not looking forward to end that because in order to end that we know that this means a huge impact for the liberal democratic model now make having this introduction when we talk about progressive democracies i think we also need to understand that if we don't put the radical dimension in this progression we are not getting out the end of history, okay? And because we are not, uh, get, if we want to get out of the, this end of history, we really need to think radically. So it's very difficult to make citizenship education, this citizenship education, if we don't stop calling it citizenship education. <laughs> because uh, if we are being educated in the certain citizenship, we are accepting that we are, uh, there is a kind of doctrination in order to be a citizen. And to be a citizen is to be a person. So in order for us to, to, to have the kind of education that, uh, that we need to de-alienate from reality, I think we, we also need to call it a different name. I thought uh, I'd jump in with a quick question before, uh, give the, uh, before giving the word to Nika. And again, I mean, you have been speaking a lot about radically changing uh, the education system or citizenship education and so on. And I do know from most people, the word radical, they may be quite wary of that word. They think there will be a sudden change in the, in the general process right now. There won't be enough time to actually condensate everything there is to know. Uh, so what exactly do you mean by radical? Because I do know a lot of people will, will be put off if you tell them we're going to radically change uh, the way we, uh, we're rethinking education or the way we're rethinking citizenship or liberal democracies. Let me start by saying what, what I don't mean by radical, okay? Uh, and this, I think it makes it easier to understand what I mean by radical. Um, I do think there, that there, there is a social prejudice against the radical, um, mainly for two or three reasons. The first reason is that we are connecting the radical word with violence and extremism. Uh, mostly, but not only, but mostly because the European uh, narrative since uh, 2005, I think that's the year, where uh, the European strategy on violent radicalization has started. Through this narrative, uh, we learn that the radical is something to be prevented. 
not stimulated. Obviously, I disagree. Reason two, uh, with the rise of the far right in Europe and beyond, which indeed um, uh, um, intend to radically change the system in their own way, we tend to put everything radical in the same bag, the bag of the far right project. Obviously, I also disagree. And this certainly deserves its own podcast as well. Um, the third reason is that many of us um, are unaware of the history behind what we call democracy nowadays. We are unaware that uh, for these democracies to happen, for example, uh, the French uh, Revolution is a place of a huge uh, uh, violence that took place during the, during the French Revolution but also radicalism and it was a uh, i would say uh, uh, um, a fundamental step for what we call uh, democracy nowadays so i think that we have we, the the world is very complex but we really need to go back in history to really understand the world and to really understand <laughs> what how radical are uh, the democracies uh, um, how the democracies from today come from this uh, uh, radicalization of the ideas of thinking and so on. Thank you, Sergio. And uh, in your uh, upcoming paper, uh, you discuss this concept quite a bit about uh, radical education, radical citizenship education. Um, you touched upon uh, this need for uh, the education to be radical in the sense of thinking out of the box, uh, pushing boundaries, uh, as well as kind of uh, having a crucial role in transforming our society and our democracies. Uh, Nika, uh, I come back to you now with uh, with the same question: Should uh, citizen what should citizenship education teach, and should it be political and should it be radical? Um, for me, absolutely, yes, it should be political and it should be radical. But um, as I said uh, before, th this question may be answered quite uh, differently from by the person from different political sides. Um, but for me, I think uh, I, I, I kind of bring it down to particularism, that uh, citizenship education should be uh, understood as a particular context of the learner. Uh, it should be uh, enabling them to really see through the power systems uh, that they are in now, if this uh, social, uh, economic or cultural context that they, they live in. So in this way, I absolutely agree with Sergio that it should enable the learners to critically understand and analyze the, the power structures. Um, but I also think it's, well, I, I don't mean that Sergio didn't say it, but I would also focus also on the uh, giving them agency, uh, giving them uh, the ability to make choice and uh, giving them uh, enough creativity uh, to change uh, this political system. Um, it's also important that young people, the learners, seek out new ways, new in innovative ways uh, to tackle the issues which um, basically make us live in the vicious circles or, or make us uh, live in a liberal 
plateau as uh, Sergio was just saying. Um, so these like new innovative ways to break out of these vicious circles. I think right now we're going to go more towards the kind of ending question and see how young people can actually respond to the need. We have spoken a lot about the theory of uh, citizenship education and democracy and whether getting political or not and all of that. And I, the main question maybe it is for young people, how can youth work or how can non-form education, for instance, uh, respond to that specific need that we have? Maybe Sergio, if you would like to start with this question and then we can give directly the word uh, to Nika. So um, let's say we we... We agree with the citizenship education name, <laughs> and from that we can uh, we can uh, agree in uh, a plan, a project uh, that can be uh, meaningful. I think the educators need to 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 deepen their understanding about their own incoherences. This is, of course, a never-ending process which takes time, um, but um, but uh, and it takes a lot of reading, perhaps. And unfortunately, we cannot get there by reading uh, publications such as Compass, um, which is very uh, a very precious publication, but it doesn't give uh, this angle, uh, the radical angle on human rights education, as Nika was uh, mentioning earlier. Um, so uh, I think we need to search for the so-called uh, radical thinkers, such as the ones addressed in, in, in the paper. Uh, young people, well, young people, um, I would say that young people might find useful to question the delightment of political positions in the liberal democratic apparatus. So a follow-up question to you, Nika, is both of you have expressed uh, some concerns regarding uh, the ability of institutions uh, to really be radical and political in changing the current uh, democratic order. Uh, so what can youth organizations do in this regard? Also, we need to uh, criticize the youth sector itself. For example, this kind of um, youth movements, auditorium, just like I said, auditorium, luckily they are not the only ones which have existed in Georgia. Uh, they have really hard times, for example, to enter youth councils. Uh, which would be one of the ways for them to express their um, uh, participation opportunities. Uh, so uh, youth, youth councils, for example, in, 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 or student councils have, have been increasingly politicized in Georgia. And uh, they, they basically, these are also kind of the organizations which basically reproduce the adult power uh, or what uh, the elites dictate. Um, but this is but this is only youth organizations, right? And the same same kind of criticisms goes to any kind of actors in the field, including, for example, higher educational um, institutions, which basically are owned uh, mostly by uh, elites and businesses, and they basically reproduce and do whatever the elite uh, and asks them or gives them a, 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 as a task to reproduce or dictates them. So it's in a way, it's a kind of like a plutocracy there as well. And educational system have been becoming more and more commercialized, which uh, ensures that these neoliberal uh, values are reproduced in every kind of sector. So uh, that that's uh, coming back to where I started. If we pose this task to the youth organization, then they will have a very big uh, and uh, difficult task to resolve. And with those critical ending notes, we have reached an end to our episode. Thank you very much, Nika and Sergio, for participating in this podcast. 
And to all the listeners, remember that you can find this publication on Radical Education in the bio and many others on our website. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at EUCOE Youth to stay up to date with all our future content. Thank you very much and see you next time.